A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. In this week's episode, we are going to explore how to think about money with ideas from Tori Dunlap's book, The Financial Feminist, and personal finance expert, Ramit Sethi. We are going to explore money scripts, financial flashpoint experiences, and talk about what exactly a rich life looks like and how you can design your own because we are all investing to hopefully live our rich lives. But first, money wins and losses. What's yours, Anna? I spent $1,500 on fixing my car and our car is very old and we know we need to buy a new one soon. So I felt kind of like, oh, we're spending so much money on this car. You know, this car isn't even worth this much. And I actually mentioned that to the mechanic and he said, yeah, the car might not be worth that much if you total it, but where are you going to find a $1,500 car that still runs and still works and still, you know, it gets you from A to B. And I kind of sat there for a second. I said, I love that perspective because yes, we're spending a lot of money on this old car, but really what's the alternative? I need a car and I want it to be safe. So money well spent. Yes. I like that perspective. I don't really hear that very often. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's too old. I might as well just get a new one. That's a good take on it. Yeah. We will have to get a new one at some point, but (laughs) we're just, we're driving it to the ground. (laughs) Making the most of it. Yeah. What's your win or loss for the week? I got DoorDash. Um, I got dinner for two for $8.90 on Sunday, which is very exciting. I'm loving all the money hack things at the moment. Um, They've had coupons pop up for 40% off some local restaurants. Plus I had a sign up credit as well. If you're a new user, you can get two $10 credits to use on your first few orders. So it's been good. The food hacks are my favorite. 
Whenever I hear them, I'm always like, mental note, food is so expensive. How can I save money? And a dinner for two for $8.90? Come on. That's amazing. It's so good. I think I enjoy it so much more when I know how cheap it is as well. Like, it doesn't matter what the food is like. I'm just like, this is a win already. Yeah. So into today's episode, I recently read Tori's book, Financial Feminist, and there were a few things that I loved in it. I also really love this book, um, especially the beginning part where she just talks about the background in our relationship with finances. So we're just going to dive into some little parts of this. When talking about personal finance and investing, we often get stuck researching things like which broker is the best or which ETF is the cheapest, but the money psychology stuff is so, so important. One of the things I found super interesting was money scripts. So these were developed by Dr. Brad Klontz, who's a financial psychologist and author, and he created four categories of money beliefs. So these are money avoidance, money worship, money status, and money vigilance. So money avoidance is the idea that money is somehow inherently bad and you would prefer to avoid thinking about it or dealing with it or just wanted to avoid it at all costs. Some of the ideas are that you might think rich people are greedy, that money corrupts, that there's virtue in living with less money, and it's a common belief in lower socioeconomic groups. Ironically, you do want to be wealthy, but you repel wealth because if you do start to make money, you feel like you might drift away from your friends or family, or you might sense resentment on the part of people you're closest to. Effectively, your newly acquired wealth and financial stability becomes a wedge between you and the people close to you. This stirs up a lot of anxiety and you feel bad. So you subconsciously make a series of poor decisions until you end up where you started. The next one is money worship. This concept is around the belief that money will solve all of your problems and issues, and those with this belief will work towards acquiring money at all costs. The idea is that thinking that money will make you happy. So it's not inherently negative or positive, but people who believe this tend to have less income, less net worth, and more credit card debt. Money status is the next one, and it's one that you might be very familiar with. It's the belief that money is associated with your status in society and how you see yourself in relation to others. It's often referred to as keeping up with the Joneses. The idea is that your self-worth does equal your net worth. Those that believe this often say things like, I won't buy something unless it's new or I'll never buy anything unless it's considered the best. It's often the outward display of wealth and people who grew up poor are more vulnerable to this due to their unmet needs. And the last one is money vigilance. It's the belief that it's important to focus on one's financial health and having enough money is of the utmost importance. People with this money script believe that it's important to save, they're not waiting for financial windfall, and they feel people need to work for their money. These money scripts are useful to acknowledge so you can address any unhelpful patterns or behaviors that you may be experiencing. Do you identify with any of these money scripts, Tash? I feel like money vigilance for sure. Like I know that it's important to save and I'm not waiting for someone to come and save me and I'm investing and taking control of my finances. Is that the same for you? Yeah, I definitely identify with that one the most. I think that a lot of people who are trying to achieve financial independence probably do identify with that. The problem with only identifying with that is that you might miss out on some of those great life experiences because you value saving and financial, you know, security more so than you value having a good time or spending some money on something or taking yourself out. So there's a bit of back and forth I can see with some of these. Yeah. And I think with money status as well, we all have a little bit of that at some point in our lives where we want to get something just because other people have it too. (laughs) The FOMO on social media. (laughs) It's huge. 
The interesting one about money avoidance is that idea that like money is bad and rich people are greedy and money corrupts because there's some of those beliefs that I absolutely do think about, especially from my younger days that I I can feel kind of creep up, but it hasn't led me to make some bad financial choices. So I, I do see some of those, but I don't think I'm money avoidant, just some of those beliefs that could creep into that. Yeah, you've acknowledged it. So it's not taking control of your finances at the moment. I think when I was in university, because so many of us were living off of noodles, it was kind of seen as, you know, the the wealthy are greedy and the government is corrupt. And there was a lot of belief around if you had wealth, you kind of didn't want to talk about it. And I can see some of that happening with money avoidance and also just privilege, right? Like sometimes people know they're privileged, but they play it down. I don't know if you've seen the memes of uh, Victoria Beckham kind of talking about how she's, you know, li- lived in a mi- middle income house. Meanwhile, um, she gets called out by like, you're dead drove a Rolls Royce. <laughs> That's oh, not yes. true. And and it's one of those things of playing playing it down. And it's interesting when you kind of look at all of these, they play into each other depending on your upbringing and how you think about these. Mm, well, I've had some interesting experiences on TikTok talking about money and like it kind of goes into the whole, if you're a landlord, you're unethical and there's no positive, there's no way around that too. Like that belief that you are greedy because you have an investment property kind of feeds into that as well. Yeah. And then the question is, well, what's the alternative? And it's it's a very complex conversation mm-hmm. to have. It's not yeah. just black or white, any of these, right? Too much on one side is is also not as good as being too much on the other side. So now that we've talked about money scripts, let's talk about where they come from. These are referred to as financial flashpoints. Can you think back to your first money memory? Maybe you broke a jar and your parents yelled at you, or you remember a caregiver burning bills. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All using certain words to describe those that have money. These are considered financial flashpoint experiences, and they lead directly to your money scripts, which we spoke about earlier. Once you start to think and feel a certain way about money, you will likely act in a way that will reinforce those beliefs. I've been learning a lot about this in the money coaching course I've been completing. Something interesting that I've learned is that most money patterns and behaviors I learned between the ages of two and 12. So while it's not your fault that you think or feel a certain way about money, it is your responsibility to change it. Another thing to acknowledge is that we all start learning about money with different advantages and disadvantages, different socioeconomic backgrounds and different family money beliefs. And all of these make our experience with money so different. And it really isn't our fault if we have more hurdles to jump through. Plus, the financial system is set up in a way to keep you from achieving financial literacy and to keep you in debt and to keep you working. 
By diving into these financial flashpoints, you're actually having a better understanding yourself and empowering yourself to make better decisions in the future. Do you remember one of your first money memories? You know, I've never really reflected on this, but I guess when you asked me, the first thing I thought of was I had this piggy bank that was a turtle. And I remember putting little coins in it and then taking them out and counting them. And that was just something that I did on the regular. I don't think I knew how much money I had. At that point, I just knew I had coins. And that was very exciting. For me, it was like this idea of I'm supposed to collect this until it gets full. Yeah. Do you? What about you? Yeah. Yours is great. That's very positive, like collecting the money for the future and the fun of having the turtle as well. And you kind of do that now. You're collecting money and building wealth. (laughs) Not in a turtle though. No. Um, mine, I think, was getting pocket money for the first time. I was quite young, but we got like two kina. We were living in Papua New Guinea, which I think is a dollar. And we used to have to save it for either when we came back to Australia or when we went to the market. So I just remember it being really exciting and having a like little piggy bank thing as well and walking around with the, the two kina coin. But yeah, it was like quite positive too. Like, oh, I get to buy something and I get to save it. And I think that's where I started saving from then pretty much. Yeah. And it's interesting now because kids have less access to coins. So I'm wondering what the experience will be for my kids. You know, what what's their first money memory? Because ours are both coins, right? Like it's collecting yeah. coins and you can do something with these coins. Yeah, it's interesting actually how you'll teach, how people will teach kids about money in the future without it being as tangible. Like we can still have play money and things like that, but it's not quite the same as getting given coins to save in your piggy bank. Yeah, my kid did find some coins in our car. Like they must have fallen somewhere, speaking of having an old car with things around. And um, he, you could tell he was coveting it, you know, like just the way it was held and, oh, it's money. Not knowing what money really does. Still, still navigating that, but yeah. Still exciting. Exactly. If you want to start thinking about this as well, here are some great questions to help you reflect on these things. What three things did your parents teach you about money? What is the most painful money memory? And what's the most joyous money memory? Oh, these are great questions. Another thing that Tori pointed out in her book was the importance of outlining your rich life. This looks different for everyone, and it's helpful to outline what this looks like for you. Investing is a long journey, so working out what you actually value and how this can be incorporated into your financial plan and your enjoyment of life. This is often referred to as a rich life. Romita explains that what keeps people from embracing their rich life is asking $3 questions rather than asking $30,000 questions that will actually make a more sustainable impact. For example, how can I make more money or how can I automate my saving and investing so I don't have to think about it? We've got some amazing community responses to what their rich life is. The first one is having an emergency fund that gives me peace of mind, which I never had growing up. Not having to worry about opening bills. Simple, having options. Being able to drop off and pick up my kids so they aren't at after hours school care or school for 10 hours each day. Having a home that is cozy. Being able to have the mornings and evenings to myself without being at work. Traveling every year without worrying about costs. Picking up kids from school and having a freshly cooked meal every night with the whole family. Being able to take my daughter to visit my bestie in Europe. Having every day as a holiday where you can do whatever you want. Going to a job for a purpose instead of having to work just to pay my bills. Being able to buy the fancy peanut butter in a glass jar that says fancy things like hemp. I loved this one. I think I've got one of those peanut butters at the moment. So I was like, oh, yay. Not missing out on kids events, sports day, excursions, play dates, birthday parties, and Christmas. Having a level of financial freedom that allows me the time for my passion projects. These are all such good responses. What does your rich life look like? My rich life is probably the ability to travel internationally annually without having to worry about a budget. 
That's a big one for me because my family obviously lives abroad. And not having to mentally calculate what the best deal is at the grocery (laughs) store, that just exhausts me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, I I do feel like I have a bit of lifestyle creep as I've gotten older, but enjoying some of that lifestyle creep without feeling guilty is the other one that I would kind of think about being my rich life. What about you? I really liked you not having to mentally calculate the best deal one. I feel like I will always do that anyway. I just like automatically do that. That's such an interesting perspective on things. Most people just walk in and pick whatever they want. Well, there are some brands that are just better. Yes. Yeah, they just yeah. look better. The marketing's better. Yeah. Ugh, but they're more expensive. So what do you do? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when you have a frugal stage, you never quite leave the frugal stage. There'll always be some things that you'll forever do. So mine are not getting red-eye flights. That red-eye flight from Perth to over east is horrendous. I don't want to ever get that ever again. Um, regular holidays, being able to say yes to spontaneous adventures and opportunities, not ordering the cheapest thing on the menu. I oh, still yeah. kind of mentally do this when I go to a restaurant. Like I can't justify paying $10 more for something that I actually want. Ordering drinks at restaurants when I was saving really hectically when I was younger, I wouldn't ever order a drink out. Like, oh, a Diet Coke's $4. I'm not doing that. But now I do. And it feels very rich. (laughs) And the freedom to do whatever I want in work and not feel like I need to do something that I hate to survive. Yeah. Those are all great. I think all of these are great. It's, um, and, and each of them are so unique to where we are in our life, right? Like yours might be different than mine versus someone else's. So I, I love that. And it's important to acknowledge those things that you can do now, like how ordering a drink at a restaurant feels like a rich life to me. And sometimes if you just keep going through life, you move on and you don't really acknowledge where you are now compared to before. It's having those goals to actually reflect on is really helpful. And just knowing your own values. I feel as though when I was younger, like when I was in high school, I had friends that had very different values than me that made me want to spend money in ways that I didn't want to, you know, like I didn't really care about that name brand, but I wanted to fit in. So I felt like I wanted to wear that clothes or whatever it might be. Right. And, and that's the whole keeping up with the Joneses. If you don't know your own values, you might pick up someone else's values and that's horrible. Yeah. And I think with TikTok at the moment or Instagram as well, it's so easy to be flooded by other people's values and what other people are doing. It's really hard to actually reflect and figure out what you really want when you're just bombarded with all of these messages of what other people are doing or spending money on all that Europe trip or those clothes that those people are wearing as well. So it's really hard. So what are some things that you think are good actionable steps that our community should take? These are some of the things from the Financial Feminist book. So things that you can journal on. So you can write these down and reflect back on them in a year's time or five years, or just use them to help you uncover what you think and feel about money. So the first one is, how does your first money memory dictate your relationship with money now? The second one is, how do you want to change your relationship with money? Another one, how are you going to make that change happen? And the last one is, what will your life look like if you change your relationship with money? And that's all for today. So now go and get rich slow. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review, or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367 and Perla, who is an authorised representative, 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927.
Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.